Hey, we're in Matthew chapter 24, 9 through 15. If you remember last time, Jesus was talking about the beginning of the tribulation. Now we are talking about the great tribulation. He was talking about birth pangs. This week we're going to talk about the brutality that is, that is presented to the believers and to the Jews in the tribulation period. So if you would, stand for reading of the Word of God. We honor God by standing when we read His Word. Starting in verse 9, 24, 9 through 14. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. This and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. This is the Word of God. Our Father, we give you thanks for your Word. Thank you that you do speak to our hearts. Right now, Lord, I ask that you would help us to put everything aside for just a few minutes, all the troubles of this world, and help us to focus on what you have for us today. I ask you to speak to each person that is here, fill each person with your Spirit, and may we hear from our God today things that we need for our lives as we are going through life. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As you know by now, the theme of Matthew is Jesus is the promised king. And as I alluded to earlier, the first uh, few verses have to do with the seal judgments. Jesus is actually talking about the, the, the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, and the pale colored horse. And Reynold Showards has a slide for this that I want to show with you to show the comparison where we've been with Jesus, and where we are now. In verse 5, false messiahs will rise up, and the first seal is the guy on the white horse, the guy that looks like a wonderful man of peace, but I believe this is the Antichrist or the Antichrist system that's coming into effect. Secondly, there's wars and rumors of wars that come up very quickly, and the second seal judgment is the rider on the red horse, and there's peace taken away from earth, there's war, and then there's famines. The third seal is, of course, famines, the rider on the black horse, and then finally, death through famine, etc. That's the fourth seal. And we realized that as you read on in the book of Revelation, that one-fourth of the planet is killed. And we determined that we about 1.5 billion people are killed in the seal judgments. And these first few verses that Jesus is talking about, and he said these are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. I mean, isn't that an amazing thing? That the trumpet judgments and the bold judgments that follow will be the absolute worst and that you can ever imagine. It's going to be worse because it's going to be perpetrated on believers and the Jews. Up to this point, it's just general killing. But in the middle of the tribulation, when the Antichrist comes to power, he is going to extract vengeance on the Jewish people to try to kill every Jew so they cannot admit their national sin of rejecting Messiah and plead for him to return. And he will not be successful as I will delve into as we get into our teaching today. He's going to be ticked off and he's going to turn on the believers, the tribulation believers, and kill as many of them as he possibly can. I also wanted to go through, I attempted to, to, to demonstrate that the Antichrist ascends to power slowly. And there's several verses that allude to this. I will share with you one that we talked about. It's Daniel chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. And the reason we're talking about this Antichrist now is because I, we believe that the Antichrist system is coming. It is full speed ahead as our world is changing, as we're going into globalism. It's a tip-off 
that something has changed. Something has changed. This verse says this. After this, this was a vision from Daniel. He said, behold, a fourth beast. And remember, we went through those, those Gentile kingdoms. I'll show you a picture again in just a second of that Babylonian uh, dream that uh, Nebuchadnezzar has interpreted by Daniel and the four beasts. The fourth beast, I believe, is Rome, a dreadful, a dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was nastier than all the other kingdoms. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the other beasts and there was, that went before it, and it had ten horns. Now, those ten horns, remember, are ten kingdoms or ten rulers. I was considering the horns that were, and there was another horn, a little horn coming up, and I believe that's the Antichrist who comes up amongst these ten, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. Now, the Antichrist, we know, comes on the scene as a peacemaker, as a wonderful guy. He'll deceive the world, and people will fall for his stuff in masses. And they'll ultimately believe that the Antichrist is the Christ. I believe that's the strong delusion that we see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, and so on. Now, this guy is going to be very loud, very forceful. He'll be speaking loud, pompous words as he progresses, not at first, as he progresses. And I have a picture here of what this guy might look like. And it comes up right here. So this is the, <laughs> I'm sure he's not going to look like this, but this is, he's nasty. Okay. <laughs> eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Daniel 7, 8 and Daniel uh, 7:20. So he's going to be nasty. And we know that, again, we're going into this one world government situation. Daniel chapter 7, verse 23 and 24 says he ascends to power again. When the ten kings are in place, watch what it says, Daniel 7, 23. Now an angel is speaking to Daniel. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, different than Babylon, different than Persia, different than Greece. It'll even be different than the Roman Empire. Speaking about Rome here, but we are in the east and west branch of the Roman Empire today. There's an east and west, west grouping of nations today. We are, happen to be in the western group of nations. He different from all of the nations. He will devour the whole earth. And I said, oh, oh, there's a change here. Roman Empire never devoured the whole earth. Remember, I emphasize this. They didn't go past Parthians. That's Iraq and Turkey and that sort of thing. They never conquered that. They didn't go into Scotland and Ireland. To the, to the east. He'll conquer the whole earth. I think this is speaking of Antichrist. And tread it down and crush it. And then he speaks of the ten horns. That comes up when the Antichrist kingdom is being established. Out of this kingdom, out of the ten kings, ten kings will arise. Out of the one world government, ten kings will arise. And another will arise after them. Now he's going to be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. Speaking of Antichrist, when he comes to power is going to assume authority or assert authority over this 10-nation leading confederation. Now, again, Daniel had the dream about four Gentile kingdoms. And when you think Gentile kingdoms, think about these kingdoms that had influence over Israel. And Gentile kingdoms, the thing that really marked them is that they ruled without God. There was no true God sense for them. And I have the picture here of the thing that we've seen so many times in our teaching, this is what Nebuchadnezzar saw. Great, beautiful, ornate 
picture. Babylon was the head of gold, Persia, silver. Then it comes down to Greece and then Rome with the iron legs. And this was the 10 nation confederation. And the way that the world sees itself is great, wonderful, terrific. Oh, but God sees it very differently. He sees these as beasts. Each one of these kingdoms as beasts. And the last one is Rome. And again, what we are looking forward, looking towards in the future, very near future, is this 10 nation ruling area. And then we shared last week, I had the map where the United Nations has already distributed the world into 10 different ruling areas. Now, they know nothing about Scripture. They're just doing what they think they should do. But they're following the plan that God has already laid out. So, with that, uh, it's interesting to know that God shows the world these three kingdoms of what is coming. And it's interesting to know that Antichrist, again, will rise up and come to power when these kingdoms are in place and usurp authority. Jesus is showing us something here in this Olivet Discourse. Now hear this loud and clear. The Olivet Discourse is all about Jesus saying, I am coming. I am coming. This is what you look for. And it's happening in our world today. Most people are blinded. Most people don't hear. Most people don't want to learn about prophecy. But he's told us to, 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 that it's incumbent upon the church to know what is coming. At least have a clue. What is, hap what is happening in the world around you? So the Antichrist will rise up. He's going, to have, he's going to be the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the pale colored horse, etc. And one-fourth of the world will die, and it's going to be birth pangs. It's not going to be the worst yet. The worst is coming. It's previews of coming attractions. Now we're talking about this week, divine judgment and the great tribulation. And we pick it up in verse 9. Followers of Messiah will be hunted down and killed. These are tribulation believers. I believe the church is not here at this point. The church has been raptured. But tribulation believers are going to suffer during this time. Verse 9. Then they, those will be the earth dwellers, will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Now the earth dwellers are those who are part of the Antichrist system to deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now again, the final three and a half years of the tribulation, persecution will ramp up and believers will be hunted down and hated. Hunted, and that won't happen at the beginning. Remember, he comes on as the peacemaker. He's a, he's a great friend of the Jewish people. At the middle of the tribulation, he turns on the Jews, and he also turns on the offspring of the Jews, which came and believed in Messiah. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And if you remember the word tribulation is the word philispus. doesn't mean a whole lot to you. But in the Greek, it's crushing, compressing, squeezing, It'll be the worst time in the history of the world. The Antichrist, possessed by Satan, will hunt down every Jew that he possibly can and every believer in Messiah that he can. Why does he want to kill the Jews? Remember, I already mentioned at the beginning, the Jews have to do two things before Messiah comes back. They have to admit their national sin of rejecting Messiah, and they have to plead for him to return. And he believes, he's deluded enough to believe that if he can kill every one of them, he will thwart God's plan. 
But that's not going to work. In his deluded mind, he thinks he's going to out, outthink God. And remember what sin does. Sin makes you crazy. Sin makes you delusional. Sin, sin makes you rationalize decisions that you make in your life. In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8, we know that one-third of the Jewish nation will be protected supernaturally by God. And they will make their escape to a place called Petra or Basra. The Jews, and this is, this is for the overhead, the Jews will flee to Petra and Basra. That's the, Basra is actually called the sheepfold. We're going to see a picture here in just a second. This is an area of rock hardiness that will protect the Jewish people. It's a place prepared and protected by God. And there's a couple pictures here that will come up. And you go to Israel on your trip and you take your trip to Basra or Petra. It's Petra in the Greek, Basra in the Hebrew. And this is where you'll visit. The next slide shows something very similar. Narrow passages, narrow way in, that sort of thing. This is where the Jews know to flee to. They're not believers in Messiah yet. They just know that the abomination of desolation has come. Antichrist has set himself up in the temple to be worshipped as God, is, is, is enforcing a seal, his mark to be put on each one of those people. When they see the abomination of desolation, Jesus said later on in Matthew 24, they knew it was their cue to flee to their safe place. Now, God will supernaturally protect his people. And I want to give you some verses from Revelation that will show this. Revelation chapter 12, verse 13 and 17. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, you see that there's war in heaven. Satan is going to try to overcome heaven. Michael and his angels fight against Satan, and Satan is defeated, and he is thrown, that has some force to it, thrown to the earth. And now we pick up our discussion here. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, thrown to the earth, he persecuted the woman. And in the study in Scripture, we allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, and we learn that the woman, at least in this context, was Israel. He would persecute Israel, who gave birth to the male child. We know that to be Jesus. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness. That's her escape into Petra. That place is Petra or Basra. In Daniel 11.41, we have some more insight. There will be one place on earth that Antichrist can't touch. And it's the area of Jordan where you have Ammon, Moab, and Edom in those areas. God will supernaturally say, you can't go there. And that's where his people will flee to. Now, what will he do there? They'll be nourished for a time, times, and a half a times. That's three and a half years, folks. That's from the abomination of desolation to the end. They'll be protected from the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. That flood is indicative of an army that will be chasing the Jewish people as they're trying to get the Basra. That he might cause her to be carried away by the flood, destroyed by the army. But the earth helped the woman. It splits open. The army falls into the, into the split open earth. God protects his people. So the army swallowed up which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth, and the dragon was enraged with the woman. He couldn't get to her, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Now, I believe this offspring are the tribulation believers. 
And we know that in the tribulation, you'll see later in this teaching, that multitudes will be saved out of every tribe, tongue, and nation. You'll hear that again in a few minutes. Who, and the reason I believe it's the tribulation believers, they keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. These Jews that are fleeing have not become believers yet. Remember, they don't become believers until the very end of the tribulation. Jesus makes a statement of fact. You will be hated by all nations. And you kind of sense that now as we're not walking in step with the world system. As our world changes, more and more true Christians that stay faithful to the word are more and more persecuted. All over the world today, people are dying for their faith. We are just starting to experience a little bit of pressure here. We haven't gotten any persecution yet, but pressure is here. Satan will go on a killing rampage. This will be a global persecution. All nations are involved. All the nations will be mesmerized by the Antichrist, and they hunt down Jews and believers. Now, I want you to take a hard stop here. No one has to go into the tribulation period. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Again, this is debatable, but I believe that the scripture is faithful to that and that you'll be taken out before this time comes. So today, folks, is the day of salvation. Believe and receive the gift while you can. Don't go into that mess. Whatever you do, don't go there. Believe now. Today is the day of salvation. Now, I want you to think about just three verses. If there's ever any verses that a Christian should memorize, focus on these three. John 3, 16, 17, and 18. For God, you know the verse, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a universal call to repentance and salvation. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Did you hear that? But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in the son is not condemned. He who does not believe in the son is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. If you believe in the son, you will be safe. I believe you'll be safe. Let me take a qualifier here. If we see the covenant being ratified by the Antichrist, like I've said multiple times, then we switch to mid-trib, <laughs> okay? But if you see that happening, you know the whole rest is true. I just happen to believe that we're out of here before that happens. But if I'm wrong, then you be ready for the first three and a half years. There won't be a picnic there either. So, the point is this, Acts 16.31 could not be more clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And again, what does believe mean? Commit to, put your trust in Jesus, your loyalty to Jesus as your Savior. He took your sins on the cross when you believe that he did that for you personally then you are saved. It's great. It doesn't have to be a prayer. It doesn't have to be, you know, we can use a prayer, but it just simple belief. You know, over 90 times in the book of John, the criteria for salvation is believe, 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 believe. 
Verse 10, the earth dwellers will turn on the believers. Now, remember, the earth dwellers are those who have bought into the Antichrist system and are following the Antichrist. Many earth dwellers will become believers, but most won't. Most will follow the Antichrist. So in verse 10, we read this. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Many will be offended that are in the Antichrist system that these Christ, true Christ followers aren't walking lockstep with the Antichrist system. That's what's being said here. Now, I want you to think about this. It is common for deluded people to turn people in when you're, when you're thinking about ideologies that people buy into. Think about this. Now, remember Corey ten Boom. This was a great example of turning people in. In, in the Netherlands and in World War II and just before World War II started, the, the Germans were oppressing and, and confining Jewish people and killing Jewish people. Corey ten Boom, who was a Dutch lady and her family, we're hiding Jewish people. Remember, it's called The Hiding Place. That is the book or the movie. You might have seen it. And, and this started actually in the late 30s, and that went all the way through until this February 28, 1944. Now, they're almost to the end of the war. She almost made it to the end of the war. But there was a Dutch gentleman named, I don't want to say gentleman, there's a Dutch man called Jan Vogel. And he told the Nazis about Corrie ten Boom, and her family was arrested Corey and Betsy were thrown into Ravensbrook. Betsy then dies in Ravensbrook. And Corey, because of a clerical error, escapes Ravensbrook. It was the sovereignty of God that saved her life. Now, I want you to think about something. When you're thinking about betrayal and the Antichrist system, there's going to be massive betrayal of, of everyone that isn't walking lockstep with the Antichrist system. But we see that in the Holocaust. We saw it there. You saw it somewhat with COVID. Oh, you're not wearing your mask. I'm telling on you. Oh, you're meeting over here. You're a group that's meeting? Oh, I'm telling on you. And we saw those types of things even under something like COVID. But think about this. Think about China where there's informants all over the place telling the government that people are off. And radical Islam and Hinduism, informants, if someone becomes a Christian, they tell on you. And you become persecuted. Then think of the Antichrist when it'll be really ramped up. Those who turn in believers think they're doing something great. It's altruistic, okay? And in fact, they're a pawn of Satan. Now, Mark, the book of Mark, gives us some clarity on what's going to actually happen during this time. Watch what he says. Mark chapter 13, verse 12 and 13. Watch the groups that are affected here. Now, brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my namesake, but he who endures to the end, that's what Jesus says later on in our text today, will be saved. Now, this is a very, very somber picture of the last days. Very somber picture. Treacherously, treachery and disloyalty, even within family members, even within family members, Christians being hated by all men. And they think that they're doing it 
for a great cause, their loyalty to Antichrist, how deluded and deceived people are going to be. Now, verse 11, the false prophets will come in droves, folks. You think we have false teachers today? They're going to really ramp up in the tribulation period. Verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up. And what do they do? Deceive, deceive, deceive many. False prophets will be numerous in the last days leading up to the end times. Remember, we have false pastors today. We have false teachers today. We have false prophets today to lead people astray. They masquerade. Remember, Satan masquerades as an angel of light in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 through 15, and his ministers as ministers of righteousness. They look good, sound good. They're deceiving. How can they be so deceiving? Why is this possible that so many people can be deceived? I think you know the answer. People don't know the word of God. People do not know the word of God. And I want to ask you, in churches, when you look at churches throughout the, the, the West in particular, where are the Bereans? Where are the Bereans that are searching Scripture to see if what the dude is saying is true? Okay? That's your job, is to make sure that what I am saying is congruent with the Word of God. Congruent with the Word of God. People don't know the Word. People are biblically illiterate and fodder for deception. Now, Bible preaching and Bible teaching, as you know, has given way to sermonettes. And the sermonettes are all about you. All about you and your best life now. And you having health and wealth. And you having everything great and wonderful. It's all about you here. Folks, we're in preparation for a kingdom there. We're in training for another place that we will occupy. It's not about here. Now, I, granted, I believe that God does prosper his people. I believe that he does take care of his kids. I believe you're much better off with him than you are, are going it on your own. Okay? I, I, I believe that is true. But what is happening today are people having their ears tickled. Remember, Timothy? Tickled ears. Telling a person how wonderful they are. Tickled ears, folks, are deceived ears. Tickled ears think everything is a-okay today. That things are going to get better and better and more terrific and more wonderful. And that is against what the Word of God says. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be today. And what do we see days of Lot today? That homosexual agenda permeating that Sodom and Gomorrah. It's permeating our culture today. Paul to Timothy, warning about deception. Now watch what he says. Watch what the Holy Spirit says through Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Listen, watch this very carefully. Now the Spirit expressly says, that's an emphasis. This is a factual thing, that in the latter times, and I believe we're in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to oh, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, cauterized with a hot iron, no longer sensing the spirit's conviction, 
with a hot iron. Their conscience is seared. Now, when you think, think about this, deceiving spirits, how, what has happened in America? What has happened to allow our culture to become so debased? What has happened? Exit the word. Exit God from the culture. Enter deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. Folks, they are here. And they are coming into your life every day through the technology. Every movie, and maybe not just every movie, because there's 99% of the movies, okay? You're getting all kinds of deception coming in. You're getting it in any media, television, radio. You're getting it in any format. You're certainly seeing it on the internet. All these things, deceiving, deceiving spirits, mass deception. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, the Holy Spirit warns us. He says this to every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved. Notice he calls you the beloved. A tender word, beloved. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out in the wor- into the world. What do you test with? You test with, is what someone's saying congruent with the Word of God? If it is not congruent with the Word of God, with basic principles of Scripture, don't accept it. Don't accept it. America has opened the floodgates to deceiving spirits. Folks, they are here. The ancient Baal god of deception has arrived with a vengeance. You tell me, at any other time in the history of this nation, could the following have happened? Transgender story hour, deceiving spirits, homosexual marriage, deceiving spirits, many ways to God, you just choose your way, deceiving spirits. How about the pedophile lifestyle that's gaining traction in our nation? Folks, that's a deceiving spirit. All about life, all about me, myself, and I. Deceiving spirit. And when you hear people calling good evil and evil good, folks, that's a deceiving spirit. That's a deceiving spirit. Now, Jonathan Kahn, you know, has written the book, Return of the Gods. And this is a quote. He believes this started in the 60s. In the 60s, in the late 60s. In the Stone Hill or Stone something. I didn't write it down. But there was a... There was a Stone, thank you, Stonewall riots that happened in New York City. Thank you, Mike. He says this, The blending, blurring, and breaking of distinctions, characteristics of the pagan world, began seeping into nearly every corner of American culture and life. The distinctions between right and wrong, life and death, the natural and non-natural, man and woman, good and evil, they were now blurring, bending, and breaking. He goes on to say this, under the deep magic of Baal, the ancient Canaanite god, America was morphing into something altogether alien to what it had once been and once stood for. The leader of Christian civilization was becoming distinctly pagan. Baal had turned America to paganism. This is happening now, folks. Can you imagine the deception in the tribulation? Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 and 25. We'll get there in a few months. For the, it won't be that long, but anyway. For, the false, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show 
great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. To deceive even the elect. I believe in context, that's the nation of Israel. In verse 12, lawlessness will abound, folks. The lo- and love will grow cold. Can you sense it in your world today? Lawlessness abounding. Love growing cold. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many, many, many will grow cold. Now, you know this, but just for emphasis, when God is taken out of a culture, when God is taken out of a person's life, when you make life choices that are counter to God, the focus becomes more on me, 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 me. And I'm telling you, that is humanism. Do you remember that I said, and I I was actually quoting somebody else, that at the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned, Satan infected the human race with a virus. And that virus was humanism. It was pride. We are the top of the chain. Everything is about the human. Everything is about me, myself, and I, devoid of God. Devoid of God. When a focus, with a focus on, on me comes an increase in lawlessness. No restraints. Humans refuse to be under any constraints. And the result is anarchy. Love grows cold. Now, you saw this a couple years ago, and I think that it's just waiting to pop out again in our streets in our city. Anarchists in Portland on Inauguration Day. Now, there'll be a picture comes up of these anarchists. We don't want Biden. We want revenge. Now, they got their guy into office. That wasn't good enough for them. And don't, don't miss this sign. We are ungovernable. We will submit to no one but what we want. You, nation, do what we say. You do what we say. Exit God, enter anarchy, love grows cold. Folks, there's a spirit in the land. A spirit in the land of we deserve and we will take. We deserve and we will take. We call this smash and grab. You've seen this before. Mobs of people just go in and take and steal. The police arrest people. They are put in jail for a minute. And liberal prosecutors let them out to be able to repeat their crimes over and over and over. It's a tragedy what is happening in our legal system. Remember, exit God, enter chaos. Lawlessness will abound. We are living, I think, in a time leading up to the tribulation. We still have the restrainer here today. You know what the restrainer is? It's the Holy Spirit-filled church. Zechariah teaches us that evil is being restrained today. And by the way, this is a plug for Tuesday nights in our study in Zechariah. I have a picture here, Zechariah chapter 5, verse 7. It says this. Now, this has to do with evil. And behold, the cover Evil is being held in a basket. Can you put the other picture up here? A basket. The picture here is a lead cover keeping evil. It's a picture of a woman being held in here. She's a picture of evil being held by this lead lid. And behold, the cover of lead was raised, and there was a woman sitting inside the basket. Now, 
The woman in the basket is depicting evil being restrained by God. Evil cannot run loose full strength, full speed ahead until the appointed time set by God. It cannot have its free, free, freelancing. That time will come in the tribulation period, and I believe that evil starts in the seal judgment. When the lid is taken off by God, the restrainer is removed, the Holy Spirit-filled church, a global rampage of lawlessness will follow. The love of many will grow cold. Now, folks, you are seeing that today. Now, Isaiah tells us what it was like in his day when the Baal gods came into Israel before they went into captivity in Babylonian captivity. Remember, he said in Isaiah 59, 14, he who departs from evil becomes prey, becomes the hunted. You who decide to live for Christ depart from evil, become the hunted. That happens in the tribulation period. Thank the Lord up to now, we here have been safe. Not so in China, not so in Pakistan, not, or in Pakistan, depends on who's saying it, not so in North Korea, not so in many parts of this world. We live in a privileged place in a privileged time. You have freedom, a freedom that is valuable. Verse 13, Jesus to those in the tribulation, talking to tribulation saints, those masses that will be saved in the tribulation, endure to the end. Verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Now the question is, who are those who endure to the end? Who are those who endure to the end? And it seems to me, it seems that genuine salvation is demonstrated by faithfulness to Christ, loyalty to Christ, until God takes you home the end of your life. Now, this is important. I believe God is not saying by your supernatural strength, or by, excuse me, by your own strength, you're going to endure. It's not going to be you. It will not, it has to be God in you. So God will give you the strength to endure. God promises to get you home safely. Watch what he says in Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That word keep you from stumbling is the root word apostasy to deny or disown or renounce the faith. He will keep you from denying, disowning, apostatizing. 1 Peter 1.5 says this, You, believers, who are kept by the power of God through faith, you are kept by the power, not you, it's not you, it is the power of God in you by faith. Ephesians 1.13, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, watch this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance. If you've been sealed, you will inherit. God will give the believer to strength and endure to the end. And folks, this is good news to me. I don't know if it's good news to you, but it's good news to me 
because my pitiful strength would flop in a second under that kind of pressure. It would. It's not about me, but the God who saved me. And might I say this, to him be all the glory. Verse 14, the entire world will hear the gospel. Isn't that great? I mean, isn't God wonderful? The entire world during this worst time ever will hear the gospel. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom that is coming will be preached, Caruso, heralded in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. Now, Christians have taken this seriously through the epochs of time, through the last 2,000 years as the church has been in existence. Missionaries have gone out all over the world. Remember, you have Wycliffe, Bible translators all over the world. You have ethnos going into these isolated people groups. You have a picture here of several billion people in the 1040 window who have never heard the word of Jesus. Never heard about, don't know anything about Jesus or anything about Christianity. How will evangelization, evangelization of the entire world occur? You have diverse languages, diverse cultures. How will this happen? And I think it's this. It's something miraculous will happen. God will do a miracle. Embedded in the nations are Jewish people. 144,000 will be called out to be evangelists, super evangelists in the tribulation period. Revelation chapter 7, verse 4 through 8, if you want to look that up. Through their witness, many will be saved. And we know that in Revelation 7, 9, there is a multitude of people saved from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And then we read ahead in Revelation 7, 14, when John asks, who are all these people? And the angel responds, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, the last three and a half years. Remember, that's when the wrath of Antichrist is poured out on believers on the earth and Jews on the earth. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Folks, it doesn't stop there. God will use two witnesses. Remember Revelation chapter 11. There are going to be witnesses at the temple. And if somebody tries to mess with them, fire comes down from heaven and destroys them. They are a pain in the hiney of Antichrist for three and a half years. But there will be a time when they will die, when God will allow Antichrist to kill them. Now watch what happens here. You have two pictures that are coming up here. They have died. They're, they're laying in the streets. Now watch the posture of the world when these two guys are taken out of the way. And they that dwell on the earth, those are the earth dwellers, shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them with the truth of the word of God that they uh, tormented them that dwelt on the earth. But after the three and a half days, now this is a giant surprise. This is a surprise. Surprise is a God surprise. But after three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered. Can you imagine this? These guys are laying in the street. Everybody's filming it. It's all over the world. Stone cold dead. Three and a half days. And the life of God entered them. 
They stood on their feet. I imagine, this is on every television program. Blasted all. Oh, did you see what just happened at the temple? They stood on their feet. Great fear fell on those who saw them. You bet. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven, more scary, saying to them, come up, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies watched them. Can you imagine that? Now, these two witnesses are telling people the truth about Jesus. That's what, and they hate it. The world hates it. They can't do anything to him for three and a half years. And then this event happens where they're taken out. But folks, it doesn't stop there. See, God desires that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. There are three angels. An angel preaches the gospel in Revelation chapter 14, 6, and 7. Now, I have a picture of an angel here. Now, this is how I picture angels. I do not picture an angel as some Western European, long-flowing-haired, blue-eyed white guy. I don't picture him that way. I picture him as warriors. Warriors. You're going to have a warrior flying through the sky. Flying through the sky. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. This is what that guy is going to say. Watch this. That John says, then I saw another angel. There was a first one that talks about Babylon has fallen and the gospel and then don't take the mark. But anyway, I saw another angel having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Folks, every single person on the earth doesn't matter their language, doesn't matter how isolated, little isolated community. They will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ saying with a loud voice, and can you imagine, this isn't some effeminate angel. This is fear God and give him glory for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Folks, the entire world will know about Jesus and you can be sure the next slide, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end will come. All I can say, well, we said it last week, all hail King Jesus. That's all I can say. All hail Emmanuel. Some closing thoughts. The Olivet Discourse is all about Jesus. I am coming. I am coming. He's telling He's telling all people from the time he wrote that 2,000 or so years ago, I'm coming. I'm coming to establish my kingdom. This is what you look for. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Don't ignore the signs. I'm coming. God is so gracious. He sends all of these witnesses to go before him. When the world sees the seal, trumpet, and bold judgments being released by Jesus, the wrath of the Lamb, please remember this. I believe this is happening God is giving people a chance to repent. He's showing them something. He's showing them the awfulness of hell. The earth dwellers are getting a picture of hell. What hell will be like? The misery of rejecting Jesus. And his plea is to believe and receive and come. And I have this to say, awake from slumber, earth dwellers, world lovers. The king is getting your attention. Jesus is opening the scroll to the judgments, folks. In Revelation chapter 5, he's handed a scroll. 
This is the deed to the kingdom. This is the earth. This is, he's coming back. This is the day of the Lord that is coming. And all that in that scroll are the seven seals. The earth dwellers take notice. The seven seal scroll is about to be opened. The wrath of the Lamb is coming. And again, the picture of this scroll, inside this scroll, this scroll has seven seals. Inside that scroll are the trumpet judgments and the bold judgments. They're all contained. There aren't different scrolls. There's one scroll. That scroll is the wrath of the Lamb being poured out on the world. It doesn't change in the trumpet judgment. This isn't the wrath. This is the wrath. This is... No! All of it is Jesus unsealing and taking back. It's the day of the Lord. He's taking back planet Earth. Now, I have a question for you. How do people living today, seeing the changes... I mean, you, you don't have to be blind to this. I mean, you, you see what's going on in your world around you. How do they ignore it? How do they ignore what is going on in our world today? How do people bury their heads in the sand? I can tell you loud and clear, it's delusion, denial, deception. They're deluded, they're in denial, and it's deception. In my opinion, we are, just, we are living just before the end of the age. Now, we don't know when Jesus is coming, but folks, I mean, you can almost hear the footsteps of Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. The question is, who will heed the signs and who will ignore the signs? Now, I have a picture here. Now, this picture screams something. Signs of the time. Scream, scream. I am coming. I am coming. I am coming. Folks, the marketplace is empty. There's no traffic in the street. Builders' tools are silenced. There's no time to harvest wheat. Workmen cease their labor. In the courtrooms, no debate. The king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. And is he coming for me? That's what you got to ask yourself. Is he coming for you? Is he coming for you? Most people are blinded. Most will not see. Most are content with detaching from what's going on around them. Most are content with burying their heads in their technology. Most are content with burying their heads in their own lives. Distracted. And I'll tell you what, all, all will be astounded when the vanishings occur, when the rapture happens. Your instructions, church, know the signs of the times, watch and be ready, don't get caught sleeping. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 and 8 talks about the day of the Lord. This is when Jesus comes back, that time frame of the tribulation period. Therefore, let us... Believers, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day of the light be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as the, a helmet, the hope of salvation. Let me say this loud and clear. Be alert, church. Be alert, church. Be a watchman, church. Be a watchman, church. Sound the alarm, church. And might we say together, I'm going, to say, I'm going to say it once, and then you say it with me. Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus. Now together, let's say, Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus. Behold, today is the day of salvation. There will be a day 
when the door is shut, like with the flood in the ark. There will be a day when there's no more grace and God says no more. Believe today. And I want to end with this picture. Believe in Jesus and live. Folks, that's the whole Christian message. Put your trust in Jesus. I don't understand why anybody would not. Put your trust in Jesus. It's true. Jesus is real. Jesus is, a, is alive. The resurrection was true. They never found the body. The life of the disciples give credence that this is true. They changed from runners to believers in Jesus. They ran away from the fire and then they ran into the fire. They died violently. Folks, it's true. Jesus is coming back. Bible prophecy validates everything that was predicted in the past has come to fruition. What hasn't come to fruition is coming to fruition. The king is coming. The king is coming. And I like C.S. Lewis. Last statement. He is a king, I tell you. He is a king, I tell you. He is a king, I tell you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that Jesus gives us. He warns us about this tribulation period, but he also tells us that we don't have to go into it. And I pray today, if someone here does not know you as their Savior, no more playing around, no more resisting, no more deception. You know the truth. The truth will set you free. I pray today that that person or people, whoever they are, will say, I believe in you, Jesus. I can resist no longer. I put my trust in you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I believe you. I commit myself to you. I trust you. I receive your gift of salvation. I pray that someone will do that right now in their seats or who is ever hearing this on the internet. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to do communion. So does everybody have their communion stuff? If you don't have it, raise your hand and we'll have the ushers run out and get you something. If you don't have it, so Jack needs one, Anna, Hugh. So we got three. Just bring about 10 in here. Now, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you to take communion. If you do not, if you have embedded sin in your life that you haven't dealt with, that you know is a problem, and you haven't dealt with it, then don't take partake of the elements. If you have, then you're welcome to partake. For I received from the Lord, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a memorial. We're remembering what Jesus has done for us. He gave his all, his broken body, his shed blood, so that we could live with him forever. What a savior. In the same manner after supper, he broke it, said, take eat, this is my body broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do often as you drink it in remembrance 
of me. Again, it's a memorial, remembering what Jesus did. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, this is a warning part. Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But what do you do? You examine yourself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. We're going to have some background music for just about a minute or so. I want you to search your hearts, deal with any issues that you have before you partake of the elements. We'll listen to it now. Introspection. Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he broke it, he gave thanks, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Our Father, we thank you for the gift of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his broken body, the beating, the thorns, the torture that he took in my place on the cross. I deserve to die. He died in my place. And I say thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice that you have done for your church, your bride. Forever we say thank you. In Jesus' name. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, Father, we are thankful for the gift of your Son. We thank you for his shed blood. We know that we know that we know without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And we thank you that Jesus' blood has cleansed us from all of our sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done for us. We do this in remembrance of you. And forever we will say, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.